hero can save her family and prevent disaster. Mom, we're gonna be late for school. I don't think so. Whoa. Experience the phenomenon that critics are calling inspiring. Mom, I can't find number 17. Come on, Billy, dig deep. A lot of fun. Genius. Mom, where's my phone? Table. Keys. Mudroom. Dragon Man. Under the couch between the monkey and the flip-flop. How does she do that? Created by God to demonstrate his love with grace, elegance, and poise. Butane torch? There you go. Mother's Day, one woman, five children, multitask. It's me every morning. I know. Morning, everyone. Happy Mother's Day. If it wasn't for y'all, we wouldn't be here. <laughs> and happy future mothers out there. Kate? Yep. Raise your hand. When's that day coming up? Day 29th. All right. Looking forward to meeting him. <laughs> All right. Well, let's, um, let's uh, stand up this morning. We're just going to let's open up in prayer first. Uh, Lord God, we're just, we're just so blessed to, to, to be here this morning, Lord, in your presence. You know, we just want to thank you for all you do for us and thank you for all the, all the mothers here today. And all the ones that aren't here today, Lord, you know, we just, uh, we, we're thankful for what they do. We're, we're thankful for their, their nurturing nature and, uh, you know, and always wanting to, to do the best for us, Lord. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Get my stuff together. All right, I'm going to tell your mom. Kind of, huh? I'm going to tell your mom. What's that? If you don't get your stuff together, I'm going to tell your mom. Yeah. One woman, right. five children. Matching with the butane torch. <laughs> and she has to deal with Wayne. <laughs> you guys awake out there? All right, just All right. Now, as you can see, we kind of uh, changed the stage a little this morning. We're kind of just kind of changing our worship a little bit for now. Just kind of, you know, we always feel like, you know, God is always, you know, asking us to, to reach out and branch out and just find new ways to worship him. So that's what we're doing this morning.
God, we just thank you for, um, for just who you are in this moment. And, um, and God, right now, there's uh, so many things that we, that we can come to you for, but right now, we're just asking for your presence to be here and to fill this room. And for that and all things, we give you praise. In Christ Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Now, before anybody goes anywhere, I want everybody to just have a seat. You know, we can say hi in a bit. We're going to let our kids go. So just have a seat. And the light, I want the lights up a little bit. Ready for this? If you are a mother, not that you were called a mother, if you are a mother, please stand up. Or if you're a mother-to-be. You're a mother-to-be? No. No, I'm just joking. Just joking, Mom. You stood up when Mom be. So I hope not. Dad just had a heart failure. Okay, there we go. All right, so uh, stay standing because they are going to be uh, bringing around. We have a gift for thank you for, uh, for being here and being moms and rocking it out as moms. Let's hear for the moms. Oh, you can do much better than that. Let's hear for the moms. There you go. All right, stay standing even after you receive something, okay? Stay standing. We're going to see how long we know your moms. You can stand for a while. Right. And we have a, a small de- uh, devotion that we're giving to the mothers and mothers-to-be. All right. So we want to make sure everybody had a chance to, uh, to get this. And I don't know whether our Sunday school... I tried to get it before our Sunday school teachers bolded, but they may have bolded out. Um, so we want to make sure they get, they get that as well. Um, so if somebody gets Sunday school. Now, if you are... A, everybody receive something? Okay, if you are a grandmother, remain standing. Right. If you are a great-grandmother, remain standing. Ready? Here we go. Let's try this out. Let's go one more. Can we, can we get one more in here? If you're a great-great-grandmother? There you go, right there. There you go, great-great-grandmother. All right, so there we go. We'll give her a big hug. Hey, Jen, how you doing, sis? Thank you. Good job. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank Love you. It. All right. So at this time, what I want we do, we're thankful for all mothers, grandmothers, and everybody else. Right now, because of you mothers, we're going to send our kids out, okay? So the kids can go, and everybody else just greet one another an around you. We'll get, the, we'll get in after. No, high school and middle school. Oh, high school and middle school are together today with Miss Janet right over here.
All right, here we go. We're going to get rolling a little bit more. And if you, are, if you are a mom and you did not, you were not able to go ahead and get one of those um, devotions that were handed out, please see somebody as you're leaving or in the back, one of the greeters, and we'll be able to do that. Okay, here we go. A couple announcements that we have today. Uh, number one, visitors, welcome. Welcome to our visitors, and we're glad that you're here. Um, and again, if you're here, hopefully you received a card, and you can fill that information out. If you hand that in out here in the back, we can go ahead, and um, we have a small gift for you. Also, in addition, um, if it's the first time you're checking in online, go ahead and send us an email. Click on some information. Let us know that you're watching. Um, it would be great to connect with you. That would be awesome. Uh, let's see. A couple different things that we have. Next week is scheduled for a Haven um, 101 class. If you're interested in that, please sign up today so we know whether we need to have that next week or postpone that. Please let us know. Um, Dining for Women, you can see the information that, that is there. It's a uh, tribute to service women. Um, and um, and I, I got a chance to talk a little bit with Erin May last week, and she is home and glad to be home and getting readjusted, so we're thrilled by that. Um, uh, Dining, for, uh, Dining for Women, that it will be the tribute to service women on Tuesday, the uh, 7th of June. Uh, you can see the other information here. Um, Judy's going to have an announcement in a bit, right, Judy? Okay, so you can come on up and get ready. Grab a microphone and get ready. Um, the Community Kitchen, thank you uh, for everyone. There, uh, we had more than enough volunteers to serve 75 uh, meals of soup and sandwich. Everything went very well, right, Joanne? So thank you. And yeah, you can clap for that. Gary wants to clap for that. Go ahead, Gary. Give him a clap for that. And next week, um, is, which, anybody know what next week is? And it starts with a P, ends with Pentecost. There you go. <laughs> Pentecost Sunday. All right. So you guys are good. All right. <laughs> so it's Pentecost Sunday, and it's also uh, Paris Foundation Sunday. So we will have that information. And, um, and so uh, that were some of the things that we want to talk to. I'm going to let Judy go ahead and talk now about the um, baby bottle drive. Good morning. Um, most of you, I'm sure, got one of these flyers in your bulletin. Each spring, we have, we call it the baby bottle drive here. And here's the baby bottle boomerang. Why it says boomerang is because you're supposed to take one of these home. Use your microphone. Oops. I don't need it. I'm not yes, used to it. Yes, you do. <laughs> anyway, take one of these bottles home, fill it with change, bills, checks, whatever you want to put in it. And I need these back by June 5th. And what these are, we do this every year for the Cecil County Pregnancy Center. And they are a faith-based group that talk to these young pregnant women and give them a chance to make a better decision than abortion. And uh, they, they really need our support. So we'll have somebody at each door as you leave. And if you want to participate in this, just take a bottle and don't forget to bring it back. Thank you. Go. All right, good. All right, so we've done that for several years. I think since we've almost been in existence. Um, since we've almost been in existence, we've done that, and it's been really good, and we've been able to help. And they, they do need uh, funding to help and just uh, with these young girls who have nowhere else to turn. Um, so that's uh, several of our announcements. Do we have any other announcements that we need to touch on by any chance? Yes. Tuesday.
So old house, uh, men, see those women, they have their dining for women? This is dining for men. And we have an old, old South Smokehouse, right? So, see, that sounds manly too, doesn't it? Okay. So, um, they're just going meet, to meet over there, correct, at 7 o'clock? Um, 7 o'clock on Tuesday evening. Um, just going to go ahead and eat like real food, okay, guys? Man, manly food. So, um, but give us a chance to really connect. If you've not been to men's group, it's fine. Just come on. It's a great way to connect, great way for us to hang out and get a chance to know each other. All right? Um, prayer, prayer request. Um, Melinda is asking for prayers for her husband. He's finished round one of testing and is now waiting the results to see how bad his MS is and what the next step is. He was just recently diagnosed with MS. Um, and Patty Miller asked for prayers as um, se several others. Um, one, of my, uh, one of my good friends, um, I've, I've known him for about 30 years, um, John Campus. Uh, many of you know John, anybody who is part of the YMCA, he is the uh, uh, program director, the assistant director of the YMCA. John was in a very, very bad car accident yesterday at, out right in front of, um, I'll call it Chantilly, but it's Chesapeake Bay Rising Sun. Um, and he was rear-ended, pushed him into oncoming traffic, and hit him again. Um, and he was, uh, lots of different things. Um, it, w it looked, I mean, still not, he's still not out of, the, out of the woods per se, but initially it was, um, he was, they were waiting for surgery and everything else. The good thing is, after speaking with a doctor, um, he already had a fusion in his neck, and the, uh, the, the break was above the fusion, so they don't have to do surgery at this moment. Um, and they're, they're thinking if they put him in a collar for eight weeks, he'll be fine there. He has several other broken bones. Uh, his arm and his uh, shoulder was dislocated. But you can Im and please pray for Dawn and the family um, as they're going through this. But um, it, it was actually a blessing to hear the great news because it was very, very serious. On the, um, if you see the Rising Sun Herald website, you can see the cars. And... Um, it's, uh, it's amazing that, um, that he's okay because he was also thrown from the car as well. So, um, so we thank God that he's, he's going to be okay. He's broken up a little bit. And um, anybody knows John knows he's a great guy and is, um, is, is just uh, sad to see that. And some of you may know Dawn um, Baker, his, um, used to be Baker, his, his wife. So lift them up in prayers continually. All right. Any, anyone else we need to add the prayer list that wasn't written down? All right. Well, let's. Yeah. Mike Elliott. Yeah, Mike Elliott is still recuperating. Okay. Mike had two surgeries, one for a pacemaker and one for a valve, and he had some fluid in his heart, had to go back in. Yeah, real quick, Chris. Yes, good call. Definitely for those graduating, and, uh, and pray for nothing bad in senior week. There we go. Okay, the Monteith family, and Jay Monteith died in his sleep last Friday. Okay, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you now, and um, we have so many uh, needs and concerns. Number one, I want to thank you for um, just being who you are and watching over those who, uh, where situations could have been worse. Um, and I thank you for your healing process working right now, specifically in John's life as campus's life. But then, Lord, we also recognize there are so many others who have all kinds of other concerns and issues. We, uh, we just come to you for healing in their lives, for those who are experiencing loss, be with them. For the, the graduates who are, who are coming into uh, this new phase of life, God, I pray that you will just um, 
continue to send your, your hedge of protection upon them and give them clear direction that they can walk in the future, not only alone, not alone, but into new facets, but that they'll seek your direction, God. Uh, for all the prayers that we have on this list, um, God, there are so many, so many concerns, so many uh, other things. But God, we also want to lift up the joys in life, the joys that we have of having a relationship with you. And so, Father, uh, that's where we come to this point in the service, where we continue our worship. We don't stop it. We continue worshiping you by, uh, by giving back, by using some of the many blessings that you've given us. We give our, our offering in the excess of the blessings. And then our commitment to you in our tithe, we give that back to you, not so that we can say, hey, look at our church. We're full. But no, so that we can meet these needs and many, many more. This week, God, we had uh, the day of prayer service here. And we also want to lift up Sarah Mullen. In your prayers, as uh, she was experiencing anemia and other things, be with her and Rig as they, as uh, Satan wanted to attack them right on the day that he was going to lead that prayer service. And God, for everybody who came in this place and talked, and no matter what facet of the community they serve in, the one thing that seemed to be consistent was the addiction problem in our in our community and world. And God, there, it just robs lives, it steals families of those who who just have lost loved ones and those who they have them here, but they it's just robbed them from some, something else. And it's caused so much. It's caused our wonderful area that you provided just to fall apart in so many ways. But God, let, let our church be and in this community, the love that we have for those individuals, the power that you have in your Holy Spirit, let it seep into the world and just change those people in many ways. And that happens through, yes, us being active. through Yes, us serving. Through us opening our church to have... Uh, times where we can talk for having Narcan uh, training and other kinds of things. But ultimately, God, it starts right here where we give to you out of the abundance that you've given to us so that we can go ahead and do these things and many, many more in your name. So I ask for a special blessing upon the giver, whether they be here, whether they're online or wherever they may be. As they give, they don't give just to say, okay, I'm just doing it out of an obligation. But they do it expecting you to do the miraculous and God changing this world through them. I ask for a blessing upon them, upon their gifts. Multiply them and use them to further your kingdom here and around the world. In Christ's mighty name we pray. Amen. Captured by your holy. 
morning. Today we'll be re reading out of Isaiah 6, verses 1 through 10, New International Version. In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. 
The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorpost and threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. He said, Go and tell this people, Be ever hearing but never understanding. Be ever seeing but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused. Make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. This is the word of the Lord. God, I've been comfortable for way too long. Please, forgive me. I know you want to use me to show your love in this world. Give me eyes to see needs of others and a heart that dares to get involved where you are working. God, my life is yours. Whatever you want, wherever you lead, here I am, Lord. Send me. Today we are concluding our uh, three-week series. Let me move some stuff around here. Yeah, it's like a maze sometimes up here, but we'll get it. Um, we are concluding our uh, three-week series um, on precarious prayers. Right, precarious. There are ones that are a little bit dangerous, and to pray. And hopefully, everyone's been uh, praying along with them. Hopefully. Um, we gave you some tasks to do that in the last couple uh, last couple weeks, and hopefully everybody's been there. One of the reasons why we said is they're precarious because they're not easy. They're not really safe um, things to pray because what happens is you got to use precaution with some of these prayers. Week one, we did a prayer that David prayed, which was what? Does anybody remember? Search me. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me to the way everlasting. And a lot of people really did not like that one to start with because you found that, you, you know, you have some offensive ways in you. Anybody find anything offensive in you? Oh, you're just non-offensive. I get it. Okay, so you just offended me. Um, so we have that. Last week, we had a second one. Remember this one? Break me. How many enjoyed praying that one this week? That was, a, that was a difficult one as well, and praying, God, break me. Break me of anything that keeps me from, from being connected and intimate with you. Uh, today, we're going to get into a very cool one, and it's, uh, it's one of my favorites, um, but it's also a prayer of ability and um, availability. And I also believe that in many ways, it's a prayer that many of us don't want to pray as well. Each of these prayers, like I, I, many of us don't like to pray, God search me. Many of us don't like to pray, God break me. And then if God does those two previous things, a lot of us don't want to say, God send me and use me. Correct? How many are just excited if God came to you and said, hey, I got something for you. And you know, think about it. Think about the people in the Bible. 
different things that he, uh, he did with them. And we're going to talk about some of those here today. Now, one of the things I've recognized, and we just had our prayer time together, right? We had our, where we lifted up certain prayers. And it's an awesome time where we get to share with each other's burdens very scripturally. But every time, you know, most of the time, and this is just an observation, I've recognized that most of the time when we pray, we ask for prayers that either directly affect us or those that we love. Would you agree to that? Okay, that we mostly do it. And so they're like things. And what's really cool in our Sunday schools, if you ever get by, you can see like on the, on the um, boards in there, they have where kids will pray for things. And kids are awesome. They will pray for absolutely everything, like for their little pet you know, gerbil or the hamster, you know, that has a hangnail. I mean, it's pretty awesome how they, they pray for everything. And, um, and like, will you heal my grandma? Will you help me find a job? Will you help me get into the school? Um, would you bless me and allow me to do this and so? And, and we absolutely need those prayers in our life. But instead of just praying, God, would you do this for me? This precarious prayer puts us in a precarious situation. That we begin to have a prayer of availability. Instead of, God, what can you do for me? How about we pray, God, what can I do for you? I am your servant. I want to be available for you in whatever you call me to do. How many feel safe praying that prayer? Like, God, whatever you want me to do, anywhere you want me to go, doesn't matter, whatever, I'm good with this, okay? There we go. Some of us may be a little bit nervous about those things, but it's a warning because when you pray this prayer, and I'm going to give you a warning, I'll give you a, I'm good about that, I'll warn you. And then I hit you with it, okay? So um, when you pray this prayer, God can direct you in a number of different ways. He may lead you to go to a different city. He may reveal a calling in your life that you never expected before. He may lead you to stay somewhere where you believe every ounce in your mind that makes it more logical to go somewhere else. He may move you to break up with a boyfriend or a girlfriend, and parents just said, hallelujah, right now. And then he, but then when God has you break up with a boyfriend or girlfriend, he gives you an upgrade. Good? Okay, so God, how many of you ever broke up with somebody and you thought it was the end of the world? Raise your hand. How many got an upgrade? If you're sitting next to your spouse, you better raise your hand, okay? I'm just saying, All right, okay? So um, he might even lead you to a different job. He might call you to serve somewhere, and he might move you from being a Ravens fan to an Eagles fan. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. They will mount up with wings as eagles. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I know the ravens fed Elijah. Let's move on. Okay. Um, I'm not, honestly, though, I'm not sure what it would be. I'm really not sure. But when you make yourself available to God, it's an incredibly precarious prayer and position that you're going to be in. And we're going to pray for God today. Now, when you look through the Bible, when you pick up the Bible... When you pick up a Bible, uh, this is the Bible. Most of you, like me, have it on your iPad or something else. But this is what a Bible looks like. You know, we don't, we don't understand what they look like because now we just zip, zip stuff up. And it's a great world for that. But when you look through the Bible, all the pages of the Bible, you have people that God has called and have a calling from God. And you hear a lot of pastors say, I have a calling from God. And they think, like, ring, 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 um, hello, yes, God, you know. And that, like several months ago, my phone rang in here. Remember that? It was God calling. It was reminding me that I had my, um, my uh, devotion from Bible. So it was God calling. So, but God doesn't just pick up the phone and go, yeah, yeah, God. Um, okay, I'll be there. Uh, do, I, do I really have to? We don't, we don't do that. That's not how God works. So what is it? It means he speaks to people. 
Yes, he prompts them, he moves them, he leads them to say something, do something, go somewhere, encourage someone, and to speak the truth. God will call people to do something he wants you to do. Look at somebody next to you and say, he's going to call you. You're going to have to do something. Now, how are you liking that? All right. So God will call. There are different responses to God's call. And I want to spend some time sharing with you from the Bible a couple people and how we respond to God's call and how they responded to God's call. All right. So the first one is this one. Ready? Here I am. I'm not going. Everybody say that with me. Here I am. I'm not going. Here I am. I'm not going. Not going to do it. Not going to happen. And the person that we come to here is somebody who, I guess some moms may have painted on a mural, Jonah. Okay? Jonah, Jonah, and we say the whale, but a great fish. But here it is. Jonah said, yeah, I hear you, but I'm not going. And we find this out in Jonah chapter 1. In Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, God spoke and said, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because it's wickedness has come up before me. And what did Jonah do? He said, he, he more than ran away. He said, I ain't going to do it. Now, keep on. Let's say right up here, the speaker is Nineveh. Everybody with me? Let's say where I am is Jonah when he's called. Okay? Little journey, not too bad. Let's say over here is an ocean, and over there by the cross is Tarshish. Jonah got in a boat and headed this way, as far as he could go. And then when he's out in the middle of the water, a storm comes up. He says, hey, he really did not want to do this. I'm going to tell you how much he didn't want to do this. He said, guess what? The storm's up. It's my fault. Throw me in the water and let me die. That's really not wanting to do what God wants you to do by saying, I will do anything, even kill me. They picked him in. They threw him in the water. But this is God's sense of humor. He sends a big fish to go ahead, swallow him up. Now, it says when Jonah was in there for several days, he remembered God. Being in the belly of a fish underwater probably would do that for you, you know? Anybody ever cut open a fish? Anybody smell the fish? Yeah, Jonah. Then God brings him. Now, keep in mind, this is not on the ocean. It's a long travel. It's a good little travel. So he's in the sea. Then it says he gets vomited up on a beach. It's in the Bible. <laughs> now, there's no beach by Tarshish. The, the fish didn't go, and spit him into Tarshish. I mean, in Nineveh. He had to go ahead and... First, he's all vomited on a beach. Then he has to clean up. You like that, don't you? It's a very good image. Um, Then he has to go and make a journey. He didn't want to go. And so our first response when God calls us is, God says, hey, I want you to do this. We say, nope, not going, and we do what? Head the other way. How many of you in your life have believed that God may have called something different from you, but you went ahead and said, not going to do it, headed the opposite direction? How many? 
Oh, you guys are not fun. Anybody ever gone a different direction? Let me say it this way. Has anybody ever done anything in your life that you felt that God did not want you to do? Let's see your hands there. There we go. All right, you're thinking, this call. I'm thinking you did something that you know God would not want you to do. And how many of you, after it was all done, you felt a little bit vomited up on a beach somewhere? Anybody? There we go. Now we're all together, okay? That's our first response. He says, I'm not going. I'm not going. Sometimes in life you may have had something where, where God tells you, hey, reach out to that person, and you don't. Hey, I'm supposed to say something this moment, and you don't. I'm supposed to help this person. Here I am, God, not today. I'm too busy. I'm not doing it. You know, I mean, there's been several times in my life, but I, I remember, um, and I've shared this story before if you've been around for a couple years in the church, but when I was in the United Methodist Church, I was a pastor in Lewis, and I was up here because we, we didn't have housing here, and I was headed down that morning, and it was a big day because we had the bishop coming in. We needed some dum-dum-dum right there. We needed some whatever, whatever, you put your own thing to it. But anyway, the bishop was coming in, and it was a big thing. He was going to be there all day. They were going to have clergy in the morning. They were going to have laity at night. It was a full day thing, and it was the bishop. There you go. Okay, you're getting along with it. So here we are. So I was leaving from here, and I got up about 5 o'clock in the morning, and I'm heading up. I needed to pick up something because the bishop was coming. And I stopped at Walmart in Elkton. And as I stopped to get something there, I was pulling out, and there was a girl there that was obviously homeless. And she started to say something to me, and I said, sorry, I got to go. And I got in the car, and I took off, and I started going up the room, road because I was getting late because guess what? The bishop was coming. And as I got up toward the Glasgow, like right about the uh, Wawa part of it, it hit me, I'm in Glasgow area, it hit me that God wanted me to spend more time with her than he did the bishop. <laughs> you can stop now. All right. <laughs> but, you know, and, and that has haunted me for years. Because I, I, and I've prayed and said, God, please send somebody else there. Because I didn't answer that call. I knew, I knew at that moment that God sent her there at that moment. But at that moment, I had to get going because the bishop was there. One more time. There we go. And so I needed to get there because he's important. And then it was like, as soon as I got to the line, God said to me, all my kids are important. And I called you to talk to her. And I went down there, and he was there, and I was like, I got nothing, out, I wasn't much out of it, but it was like pomp and circumstances where God wanted me to do ministry, his hands and feet right there. You with me? I say many of us have those kind of Jonah moments in our lives. And I can guarantee you as a follower of Jesus that those times when you're prompted to do something and think, I need to, I'm going to, I should, here I am, but not today. Or I'm going to do this, but maybe not. I know when you're there, when you're in this place where Jonah is, that something will, the ball will be dropped if you don't respond to God's call. So here I am, I'm not going. Let's say it. Here I am, I'm not what? Going, I'm not going. Okay, number two. The next one is, here I am, send somebody else. Somebody, look at somebody next to you say, send somebody else. Send somebody else. One more time. Send somebody else. This is the great Moses. Did you know Moses did that? I mean, we think of Moses, let my people go. You know, right? If he doesn't speak like Charlton Heston in heaven, I am very upset. Okay? 
It can be in Hebrew, but it's, I'm good with it. It's got to be like Charlton S. But anyway, Moses, send somebody else. And if we look at Exodus chapter 3, verse 10, we see this, where he says, he says this, he says, so now go, I am sending you, this is God, sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, Israelites out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Sometimes when God calls us, we start to, we're our own critics. You know, like when we're going through life and God's not bothering us or calling us anywhere, the thing, we rarely look at ourselves as being flawed. But when God calls us, we look for every excuse we can not to serve him, right? And so here's what Moses does. I'm not good enough. I'm not talented enough. Somebody else would be much better. You see, I'm, I'm 80 years old and I'm hanging out, I, I'm, I'm hanging out here in the with some sheep, and I don't smell too good, and you know how people like shepherds, and they wanted to kill me there last time I left. It's not good. Maybe you can get somebody else. He said, I, I, you know, I got an idea. And then it says in, in Exodus 4, 10, through 13, 10 and 13, Moses raised up another objection to God. Master, please, I don't talk well. I've never been good with words, neither before or after you spoke to me. I stutter and stammer. He's really trying to pick out absolutely anything he can not to serve God. That's right. You tell him, no. Hallelujah. There you go. And that's what Moses said to God. Okay. Um, And then God gives him an answer to that and said, guess what? Who made your mouth? Who gave your words? I'm God. Shut up. And Moses just finally gets to this point and says, oh, master, please send somebody else. He even does what we do as siblings, throws his brother under the bus and says, take Aaron. And God said, all right, take Aaron with you. And he's like, darn it. (laughs) There used to be an old show called Your Arms Are Too Short to Box with God. Anybody remember that commercial? So are your words. It's so easy for us to do this and to look at all our flaws and say, no, God, we can't. No, I don't have this. I don't have that. What about so-and-so? Take the. We do that all the time. It's so easy for us to do this. I'm not going to give. They should give. They've got more money than I do to give. I'm not going to go. I don't have as much time as they do. And look, they don't do anything. She's a stay-at-home mom. She's got more time than I do. Ha-ha, right, moms? And all the moms have pulled out knives and said, who said that? There we go. All right. We all think he or she can do it better. They are better equipped than I am because I don't have time for it. Oh, God, just please send somebody else. You see, Jonah said, I'm not going to do it. Moses said, here I am, send somebody else. And the last thing is the precarious prayer that we're going to talk about today is, here I am, send me. It's a guy named Isaiah. And Isaiah is, it gives us a time where it is, the year King Uzziah died, and it's telling some other information. And Isaiah is in this prayer, and he's sitting there, and he has this vision, and in 6, 8, he hears this voice, and it said, I heard a voice from the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And Isaiah said, Here am I. Send me. Notice he did not say, and we'll talk more about the story in a second. He did not say, uh, Where are you sending me? God, God where am I going? Um, you notice he didn't say, Will the weather be nice? What should I pack? Should I pack a tunic or a spandex? You know, um, uh, God, what's the cost of living there? Because, you know, I got I to gotta take care of this. I gotta, um, uh, what's the pay range? 
for, you know, somebody who's you're sending? Um, God, let me ask you, uh, are there any benefits? Is there, is there a salary package to that? You know, is there a good, is there a good thing? Will I get a 401k? Um, and by the way, how much vacation do I get? Do I, you know, is there, is there enough vacation there that I can have? Because, you know, you know my bells, God. Does this sound familiar to anybody? He didn't ask any of that. He basically signed a blank contract that said, here am I. Send me wherever you want. Put me to whatever you will. John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, had a great prayer. Put me to what thy will. Let me be a, set, laid aside for thee. Let me be used for thee. He just said, in everything I have, use me, God. Use me, God. You know, basically, his prayer was this. God, I give you my mind. I give you my eyes. I give you my mouth. May I speak what you want me to speak. May I hear only your truth today. May I have the wisdom to reject anything that's not true. Here are my hands. Use them to build your kingdom. Here are my feet. Lead me where you want me to go. Help me do whatever you want me to do. Essentially, here I am, God. Send me. And I wanted to challenge you to do that same prayer this week. I want you to say, here I am. In all my mess, God, take every single ounce of it. Here I am. Send me. And it's incredibly precarious to pray this prayer. It's a precarious prayer because God is going to interrupt you. God will prompt you and God will move you. And suddenly you'll recognize God has a lot for you to do and a lot in store for you when you pray this prayer, here I am, send me. And so now what I want to do is I want to take you to a point that how can we truly surrender, have real surrender? Because I, you know, if you're like me, the, the mind is sometimes willing, the heart is willing, but sometimes you get to the point you're like, mm, it's not working. And so how do we do that? And we're going to learn this from Isaiah. And there's a couple things that we need to do. The first thing that we need to do to have real surrender is to have a real, we need a real experience with God's presence. And that's the first one on your bulletin. We need a real, real experience with God's presence. In verse 1, he says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on the throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Now, how many of you ever seen that? Exactly. How many of you saw that you might pay a little bit more attention to God? Like, just pretend you're like sitting at your desk at work. You're typing up something, some report. You're getting a phone call. And all of a sudden, boom, you see these angelic cre- creatures with eyes and wings all over them. Don't worry, disciple. I won't draw it for him today. Um, out flying all around. With eyes and they're saying, holy, 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 Lord. And all of a sudden, this is where you're working. Or if you work outside, you're outside. And all of a sudden, everything changes. And you see God. And you see this this robe filling everywhere you are. And then he says this. Are you going to pay a little bit more attention? All right. I, I believe we all need an experience with the presence of God. What Isaiah saw was he had saw the presence of God. He saw all his majesty and his glory. And the angelic beings named seraphim, all them flying around. And what are they saying? Holy, holy, holy Lord is a God of power and might. It says when they say that, everything starts to shake. It's a big deal. And when Isaiah saw the presence of God and experienced the glory of God, it transformed who he was. So why is it that many of us might not be available to God? Perhaps because we haven't experienced the presence of God. What I'm saying is we may have experienced godly things. We may have heard good sermons, but I want you to think back to your time in life where you actually may have experienced 
the presence of God, where you just knew that God was there. You just felt him. You experienced him. You saw him, maybe, even. And people think you're absolutely crazy. But you know that the experience of God is there. Why is it? Why don't we say, here I am, God, use me? It's because we need some the experience of the presence of God. How, you ever had times in your life where you just wonder, how can I keep going, God? How can I continue to go step after step after step? Through my life, there's been several different areas where I've actually felt the presence of God so mightily that it was, it was surrounding me, and I knew he was right there. Um, one of the things that was told to me that I barely remember much of it because I was five years old, and that was at least ten years ago. Um, and when I accepted Christ at the altar of the church in Christ Church in Federalsburg, I, um, I remembered going to the Christian coffee house during that week and the whole chalk drawing artist and stuff, but my father was preaching at the time. I don't even know who that guy was, you know? Me neither. Um, but all I know is this guy came in the 1970s, would have been 1975, to a Christian coffee house. Sounds very 70s, doesn't it? Okay, to a Christian coffee house to talk with a whole bunch of kids from all over the area in Federalsburg, Maryland, near the railroad tracks, am I right? Um, over there by Little League Fields. Yeah, I remember some stuff here. Great place to put a, a Little League Field by railroad tracks, just saying. But anyway, then... Um, then he came, and he's drawing some chalk stuff. He answered the call to God to draw chalk. Anybody ever seen one of those chalk drawing people that told stories? It's kind of like felt, but with chalk. Okay, um, so he, he did this. He drew this thing, talked about the wise and foolish builder. That's all I remember. Much about it. Except for he told people that they needed their life in Christ. But I'm going to throw Jill under the bus now because I raised my hand because Jill and I got drugged everywhere up the eastern seaboard by our parents to every Christian thing there was. We made our own fun. We had to. It was us and church people who were a lot older than us. We can make, that's why now, if I'm in the most remote area, I will find something fun to do and we will be laughing because I am demented. And you can blame my parents for it. Okay? So, but we went everywhere and here we were. And I figured Jill's been everywhere. I'm everywhere she is. He asked you who accepted Christ. I raised my hand. She said, No, Jack, you haven't. And I put my hand down. All I know is that God, through his spirit, that Sunday, when dad gave an altar call, came up. I came up, and I knelt at the altar and said a sinner's prayer. All I remember was a lot of people praying around me, crying, and I was saying this thing. But I also remember that over the years, that people said, that they all, different people all over the church said they had a vision of Christ with his hand on me. Now, that sounds good when you're a pastor. When you are a teenager, that ain't the greatest thing you want to hear. You see what I mean? The presence of God there. And I can tell you, it wasn't until I was a teenager at a youth group that I really felt the presence of God once again, where God poured out his presence in a powerful way that I can't explain to you. I can't logically think about it. But I know that I know that I know that the spirit of God fell on me and filled that place that evening. Now, I will tell you, I would love to have that experience every single day of my life. But it doesn't happen that all the time like that. And you need to draw on that and to remind yourself that's the presence of God. You need that presence of God because what the presence of God is in those areas and in other areas of my life, 
Like, for instance, me sitting on the beach wondering whether I'm going to stay in the United Methodist Church or not, sitting on a beach, and when there's nobody there because it's cold, it's about March, and having the presence of God speak to you. When, I was gonna, when the United Methodist Church, as they like to do, do musical chairs, was going to move me from one church, and I sat in a parking lot and prayed because guess what? I knew the churches that were open before I started ministry. I went and sat in this parking lot of a place called Morris Chapel and prayed, God, if you want me here, put me here. And he put me there for nine years. And we saw the power of God fall in mighty ways in that place. When I prayed to leave the United Methodist Church, it was the power of God on a beach in Lewis, Delaware, telling me, knowing that it was him leading me. No, it was leading me when all the finances that were promised didn't come through. And then you start to say, God, what happened to those plans? Knowing that the promise of God, and remember last week I shared with you Bill Sammons, when he shared to me, God, God's your provision, not the free Methodist Church, not the Methodist Church. You know, I know that in my head, but when you know in your heart, it's harder to experience those things, unless you know the presence of God. God wants to reveal himself to his people. In fact, Scripture says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. It could literally be when you're driving down the road in a car and a worship song comes on, bam, the presence of God. It could be when you're saying a good night prayer by yourself or with your kids, and all of a sudden, bam, God, the Spirit of God falls. It could be that God is right here with us in this room right now. Maybe it's because if we don't feel the presence of God, or maybe we don't feel available to God right now, it's maybe because we haven't spent enough time seeking his presence. Tommy Tenney wrote a great book called The God Chasers. Maybe we are just not chasing after the presence of God like we chase after our careers and our finances and everything else in life. Just saying. Because when you experience the presence of God, you will be challenged, you will be transformed. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his glory was everywhere. So what do you need, first of all, to surrender to God, real surrender? Experience the presence of God. Number two. Number two, you need a real awareness. I need a real awareness of my sinfulness. I need a real uh, awareness of my sinfulness. One of the biggest lies in culture is that we are a good person. We talked about that the other week. Remember? Remember when I had you look at somebody and say, you're not a good person? You need to do it again? You're not a good person. And neither am I. None of us are good. Apart from Christ, we are wicked. We are evil. We are sinners. If you take a cute little baby, you will see a, a full, cute little bundle of complete selfishness. Am I right? Anybody ever seen a baby? Aren't they adorable? What happens when they don't get what they want? They cry. They scream. They will not give up. It's because me. And you know what? I, w- I want to step out and say this. I believe right now, the other week in, um, in my sociology class, I was teaching a, a, a section on religion. And I, put a, a, I drew a, a circle on the board, and I put all kinds of circles around it, little circles on it, like, uh, like a wheel, like just kind of little circles all over this wheel. And I wrote in there, I wrote in there like school work, family, and in the middle I put an R for religion and put a circle around it. Kind of looked like one of those charts that you had to draw Adams and stuff in high school um, or whatever school you do. And I had it there, and I said, this used to be what all society, particularly the United States, was based off of. Religion was the center point, and everything else flowed from it. And I said, but it's not that way anymore, and I erased it, and I put an R on the rest of the wheel of life. And I had one person in the class who said, Everybody went, huh? And he said, raised his hand. I said, yes. He said, what's in the center now? And I stopped and went, huh. 
It's a great question. And I wrote two letters in there. Me. We have a society of big babies. We have gotten so far away, so, so far away that the, the, the God of this world is me. So guess what? My schedule, it's not God's, it's mine. If I lose my job, it's not my fault, it's my boss. With me. If my family falls apart, it's got to be them. It's not me. If I get failing grades, it's not me, it's the teacher. Right, teachers? Am I wrong here? And we sit by, and that has bred itself and bled into the church. So that we think that everything about the church is about me. We've even made worship to make me feel good. Got to say something. Worship is not about you. It never has been about you. It's not about me. It's about him. And here's the whole thing. We have, how many of us come and say, oh my gosh, I am so excited to give God something today at church. Some of us are excited and say, I can't wait to get what I'm going to get. We've got to start praying what we can give to God. Here I am, use me, send me. And one of the big reasons I believe is because of our main sinfulness is simply that we are so focused on me that we can't see people. The reason why we walk by people is not, the reason why I left that girl in the Walmart parking lot is because it was about me getting down to the bishop so I could look good and I could be good and put pomp and circumstances. It wasn't about him. If it was about him, I would have stopped and told the bishop to pack it. With me? And that's where we need to be. Without Christ, we are not a good person. And when Isaiah saw the goodness of God, he recognized how bad he was and, and everything that was, that was bad about him. In Isaiah 6.5, he cried out. He said, woe to me. I am ruined. Other verses says, I'm done. I'm nothing. I'm pathetic. I'm a sinner. I have nothing to offer. He is holy. I'm not. He's righteous. I'm unrighteousness. He's full of glory. I'm full of sin. Woe to me. I'm ruined. For I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live, against, I live with people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. In the Old Testament, every time somebody came into the presence of God, they fell on their face because they thought they were going to die because of their sinful nature. What does it take to get to the place where you're fully surrendered? Here I am, God. I'm yours. Send me. Number three. Ready for number three? I need a real understanding of God's grace. You see, with all this other stuff, we're in trouble. When you understand how amazing his grace is, it brings you to a point of surrender. Look in Isaiah 6, 6. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken tongs from the altar. And with it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. One touch from the goodness of God, and his sins were forgiven, completely atoned and paid for how, how can we put this in our, in our time today? Your lying lips. Anybody, anybody ever lie? Your lying lips in the presence of God, forgiven. Your lustful attitudes, forgiven. Your self-centered thoughts, forgiven. Your angerous outbursts, those angry things that just go from nowhere, boom, forgiven. Every secret sin that you've never told anybody else, guess what? God knows and he's going to forgive them. Scripture tells us that he separates our sin from the east to the, as far as from the east is to the west. And he doesn't remember anymore. When you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Anybody excited about that? 
Anybody excited about that? When you understand God's grace, it transforms absolutely everything. We need to recognize we don't bring anything to the table. This is just a mess that God just uses. Here, when we recognize it's not my life, it's my desires, we can say, here I am. Send me. This is not pray because I got to pray it because Jesus died and let's go. This is, I get it. I get to serve him. I get to wake up every day and be used by the king of the universe and the creator of the universe, the, the savior who died on a cross and rose again. He gets to use me. I'm excited by that. God, send me, use me today. See if that doesn't change who you are. It's not, uh, I got to serve because my grandmother told me I needed to and I got to do it. This is not, I go to serve God because he loved me through Jesus. And No, this is, I want to. I want a desire to be who you want me to be. Here's the cool thing. It's not a one-time decision. It's not like, back in 1983, I accepted and I said, no, it's not that. This is something that happens every day. Why? Because there's two sides to us after you become a Christian. There's a flesh side of you, which is all the evil desires, selfish desires, and there is the spirit side of you, which is where Christ is filled. There's a war within you, and the flesh wants you to do what you want to do. That is, here I am, I'm not going. Here I am, send somebody else. The spirit side is, here I am, God, send me. So how do we do this? We live daily. You know what I've learned? How do we do this? Because how many of you are good at plants or gardening? Anybody good at doing gardening? Did anybody celebrate Naked Gardening Day yesterday? <laughs> you know that's a thing. Just I, I don't know who started that, you know, like tools and shovels and just saying, you know. I, thank God I didn't, all right? You know, so if you're wondering why your neighbor was naked out there in the garden, that's why, just saying. Blame it on Facebook. All right. You can build fences and put up trees next year, okay? All right. What is that? I, I'm sorry. I'm going to move on. But anyway, um, what I've learned that's consistent is what we feed grows. What we don't dies. So if you have a plant and you feed it and you water it and you do well, what does it do? Grow. And then you may have, then, you know, once it gets to a size, it's spread out and grown. To the, you have to repot it and in a bigger area, right? Because it keeps growing. Um, so, if we feed our flesh, give me, 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 more, more, more. I want, I want, I want, I want, I want. That's going to grow. And I believe we've come into a point in society where we've moved faith in Christ to the corner, and it becomes just one of those elements. So now we fed ourselves, me, 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 so much that now it's taken over. And it's taken over into the church as well. I love Jesus and everything. I'm going to heaven, but I'm not going to do anything. He wants me to do it. It's me, 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 you, me, 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 me. Look at the person next to me, 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 me. There you go, good. You guys are too good at that. Now, if you deny feeding your flesh, but you feed your spirit with the things of God, that will grow. And that will grow and grow. Say, I want to use my spiritual gifts. I want to use what God has given me. I want to be available for you, God, to use everything. The Apostle Paul said this. He said, I die daily. I am crucified with Christ, but as nevertheless I live. It's no longer uh, I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. So our response is this. That's where the point where we, we grow to where we say we experience the presence of God. We're aware of our own sinfulness. And when we experience the glory of God who forgives us and we didn't deserve it, we see that glory and that grace. And then our response is, yes, I'm in. I'm in. I want to be your hands and feet. I want you to do whatever you will with me. I want you to send me wherever you want. I'm just all in. 
Why is it that more people don't pray this prayer? Because I think some people are afraid. When you pray, break me, when you pray, search me, and when you pray, send me, you get a little bit nervous because I think many people think that God is going to go ahead and send them to the deepest, darkest Africa as a missionary and where they can never have a toilet again in their whole lives. Right? Because I can tell you, I did, and I was like, oh, no, God, no, I like, I like toilet paper, all right? You know, I like, I like Internet. I like these things, right? Anybody ever done, been through this? And so when you have this, but guess what? That may happen. God may call you to a missionary. The minks have been missionaries for years in our community and have had every kind of disease imaginable, but have impacted the kingdom of God in incredible ways, if you know Gary and Rebecca Mink. But most of the time, I believe that God is probably just going to call you to be a missionary where you are now because that's holy too and needs his presence. It's more likely that he's going to call you to serve people that are in front of you and be faithful to what he's already given to you. A lot of people go, God's going to call me the big, grandiose, blah, blah, big, 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 right? God may call you to do things like just to stop what you're doing in the day and listen to somebody who's hurting. God may call you to just reach out and give to someone who's in need. God may call you to buy a lunch for a single mom with four kids. And you may say, that's not a big thing, but to her it is. To her it is. She'd say, that's a, and, and to God it's a major thing because he'd say, you were faithful with a little bit and obedient to me. And when, and when you're faithful with a little bit of stuff, I got more in store for you. If you want the big stuff, if you really want God to do big stuff through you, start doing the little stuff he tells you to do and do it well. When you do enough little things and are faithful to God, you'll wake up one day and realize those little things added up to a lot of big things. You know, I don't think Mother Teresa one day said, I am going to affect the world's children. Now, you know what she said? Each one, reach one. Each one, go ahead and serve one. Each one, spend time with one. Each one, love one. And she just started loving the people who are unlovable. And let me ask you, has anybody in here never heard of Mother Teresa? All right? <laughs> there you go. All right. God, one day you're going to get excited about this when you pray these prayers and say, God, I'll go wherever you want me to go. He may prompt you to serve somewhere in the church. He may say, I want you to serve in the nursery, which is kind of like Africa because they don't have toilets in there either, but, <laughs> and they don't use the toilets. So, you know, um, he may call you to lead a small group. He may call you to be a foster parent. He may cause you to give above tithe. He may even just start by saying, I want you to take a step and just regularly move me from the corner or the circle of your life back into the middle of your life and see where that goes. You say, here am I, send me. As I close today, I want to share this story with you. A pastor stood at the door. You know how sometimes I'll get back there and be able to shake hands with everybody. And the pastor stood at the door one day, and this guy walked by in the line and said, great sermon, pastor. And he was very emotional with tears in his eyes. He said, pastor, I need you to understand. My life has been transformed. The answer is yes. Now, what's the question? The pastor was like, Thank you, God bless you, and next. He went on down the line. He didn't have a clue what he was saying. Went down the line, he thought, that was really weird. What's up with this guy? What's going on with him? What is he talking about? Next week comes about, guy comes out of church, he's like, Pastor, Pastor, I got to tell you, God is so good, God is amazing, and I want you to know that the answer is yes. What's the question? 
pastor sat there and said, I don't know, I'll get back to you, have a great week. You know, just kind of ushered him out once again. The third week, the same guy comes in, and he gets up there, and he's all emotional. He says, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it. I get to be here. He said, Pastor, I know the, the answer is yes, but what is the question? And the line is getting long, and the pastor said, wait a second, let me, let me tell you. He said, uh, I'll tell you what, can we get together for coffee this week? And he said, and we'll talk about the question. Because pastor still had no clue what he was talking about. So they meet for coffee, and they're sitting down. And as they're sitting down, the pastor's going, what in the world are you talking? Am I slow? What's, what's going on here? What is this thing that you're talking about, the question? And as he's sitting there, he's, the man starts to get emotional. Tears start to go down his face. He said, Pastor, what you need to understand is that I was really, really messed up. He went through a whole list of things. He was addicted. He was neglecting his wife. His kids were really, really in bad shape. And he said, I came in spite of everything, and everything was falling apart, I came to church one week. He said, I sat down, and you preached on this message, and when you did, it was like God opened my eyes. I saw it, and I called on the name of Jesus. He said, I'm a new person. Everything's different. Everything's different. It's not the same. You can ask my wife. You can ask my kids, and they'll tell you. Everybody you talk to say, you're not the same person. You are different. And he said, so pastor, what I need you to understand is the answer is yes. Whatever you need, if you need me to mow the lawn at 2 a.m. in the morning, to go visit somebody, to pray for somebody, to give whatever you need, whatever the answer is, God has transformed my life, pastor. I'm all in. And so whatever you ask and whatever God asks, the answer is yes. The answer is yes. Now, what's the question? I am completely available at any time. You need anything, just call. Isn't that amazing? One person whose life was radically transformed by the power and presence of Christ Jesus. And his answer is yes. He didn't have to have everything else together. The answer was yes. How do you get to the place where you have the courage just to pray this precarious prayer God, I don't need the details. I don't need to know anything else. All I want to know is that the answer is yes. How do you get there? You ex truly experience the presence of God. You recognize your own sinfulness, and you experience the grace and forgiveness of our Lord Jesus Christ. And guess what? Some people will say, God, I'm here. I'm not going. Others will say, here I am. Send somebody else. But you can be different. You can be different by saying, here I am. Send me. Amen. I'm going to ask the praise team to come up now as we pray. Lord God, and if you all stand, please, if you're, if you're able. I want to pray right now that this would be one of those launch pad messages, God, today, that you would truly and honestly experience you in a way that, is, that we never have. God, I pray that you will do an incredible thing because you've changed lives. I pray that we would have the courage to pray these precarious prayers that we spent the last few weeks talking about. And that we would reach this prayer today saying, here I am, God, send me. So I'm going to ask everybody here and those watching online, I want you to, have, to ask yourself, do you have the courage to begin to pray this prayer this week? Here I am, God, send me. I don't need anything else. Use me, send me, no matter what. Use me and send me, God. I don't need anything else but you.
There are those of you who say, you know what, God, I'm not as engaged with you as I used to be, so I'm going to make a commitment for the, at least the next week to say, as soon as I get out of bed, here I am, God, send me, use me. Would you pray that prayer of availability? If you are willing to pray that prayer this week, would everybody's head closed, eyes bowed, um, just kind of lift your hand where you are. Say, here I am, God, use me. There we go. Hands going up all over. Oh, I can't wait. This is going to be awesome. God, you see those who are available to you. And Father, I want to thank you in advance for the ways that you're going to speak and use um, people that when there is that person where we've got to go see a bishop somewhere and there's somebody sitting there that needs you, that God, we will stop right where we are and we will reach out and do what you call us to do. So God, here we are, your church. Here we are, send us. Send us. There are others who are here right now who are becoming aware that there's stuff in your life that you've done or you're doing that, that really Christ is not the center point of your life, that maybe he's just on the wheel somewhere, and sometimes he's at the bottom of that wheel. Sometimes many, many of us have just done stuff in life that we felt so far separated from God, and we start to ask the questions, there's no way he can even love me. There's no way this God you talk about, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I'm going through. That you can be like that man and you can hear today that it's about Jesus and you can call on his name. And when you call on his name, you know that you need his forgiveness and he'll give that to you immediately. And separate your sins, those wrongdoings from the east is to the west. So anyone who can call on his name will be transformed and forgiven. His forgiveness and love are vast through Jesus. And when I call on him, I become a new person. So if that's you, just raise your hand and say, here I am. Send me and come into my life. That's you. Just raise your hand where you are. So today, God, let us feel his, your grace, your undeserved favor and love, that no matter what we've done, that you love us so much that you sent your son to raise us up, that we may have enough strength and enough commitment, that not even in the, in the walls of a church, but more importantly, God, when we're standing in the middle of hell on earth out there, we can say, here I am, God, send me, use me, in this world. If you want to say, Jesus, Jesus, I surrender to you. I surrender my life to you. And if you need to accept Jesus as your Savior and Lord, the leader of your life, go ahead and say this prayer to yourself. Heavenly Father, forgive me of all my sins. Make me brand new. You died for me, and I believe that. You rose again so you, I could live for you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit that I can follow you every day of my life. I believe you have forgiven me. So here I am. Send me. I belong to you. My life is yours. My life is to bring you glory. In Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. People will be available up here to pray with you if you need to pray. Don't use this. Don't, don't let God just dismiss. Don't just dismiss God speaking to you. Let him fill your life. Let him fill your heart. In his name. Before we sing this song, we sing this song a lot. It's called Holy Spirit. And I just wanted to say that if you are one of those people that haven't really experienced God, take the opportunity to really listen to the words of this song. Um, the Bible says where two or more are gathered, his presence is with us. Um, the question is, are we looking for it? Are we paying attention to it? So as we sing this song, I want you to call out. It, it tells the Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Welcome in our place and, and welcome in our lives.
There is nothing worth more that will ever come close. Nothing can compare. You're tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone your presence Lord Holy Spirit you Press. 
I'm always amazed at how, like, I give, uh, give Wayne, like, the um, scriptures, but it always works out that God just, he didn't know the individual sermon points or anything else, and he just, 
is so open to God and hearing him and, and just putting everything together that just matches perfectly. That's the spirit of God. So um, your challenge this week, I'm not giving you a precursor next week because you should want to be here. It's Pentecost anyway. Um, it starts with a P and ends with a what? There you go. Good job. You guys are catching on. Um, but, um, you know, number one, um, happy Mother's Day. Uh, and, uh, but most of all, reckon I, want you to, I want you to challenge yourself over this next week to pray all three of those precarious prayers each day. And see if God does not stir something up in you and do something to change the world right around you. All right? Everybody good? All right, so say hi to Mother and to our great-grandmother here. Great-great, right? There we go. So there we go. Have a great, have a great week. Keith says mom's like you guys. In this obsession with the things this world says make us happy.